Hey guys, it's Kelsey Ray, reporter for the Colorado Independent. Welcome to episode two of the Indies Weekly Podcast. At 2.39 in the morning Wednesday, Indie reporter Corey Hutchins received a text from George Brockler, 18th Judicial District Attorney and, more to the point, a serious Republican contender in next year's Colorado governor's race. Been thinking about HPF and our conversation, keeping me up a bit, Brockler texted. He was wrestling with a question Corey had posed to him and to the other declared Republican candidates. If you were governor today, would you have voted for the hospital provider fee bill? Here's the deal. Colorado hospitals pay a fee that's matched by the federal government and then sent back out to hospitals to cover health care for low-income and uninsured patients. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars a year. The problem, from a state budgeting perspective, is that thanks to the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, our state has set limits on how much money it can bring in without triggering taxpayer refunds. It's a way to keep government spending down. Most Republicans love it. Most Democrats don't. The state was going to hit its revenue limits in next year's budget, so the governor decided to cap the hospital provider fee, bringing in less money. But that move would have been disastrous for rural hospitals who rely on the fee. Uh, Some of them said they would go broke. The hospital provider fee then did something the Democrats have wanted for years. It took all those hundreds of millions of dollars in provider fee money and created a separate government-owned enterprise with them, like the way college tuition and park fees work. It's essentially a bookkeeping move, but it not only spared hospitals a budget cut, it also dropped state revenues below Tabor limits to the tune of nearly $700 million. That gave the state immediate breathing room. Starting July 1st, the state can start bringing in more money for roads, education, other projects. The bill passed with support from both parties, but plenty of Republicans blasted it as an end runaround Tabor, a violation of its intent and possibly unconstitutional. Some demanded that the state lower its revenue limits by the same amount that it was reclassified to, quote, rebase the budget, as Brockler calls it. In the end, the compromise was to lower the limits by $200 million. Brockler first told Corey he would have signed the hospital provider fee, even though he thought it was unconstitutional. And then he texted Corey and said he was still struggling with what he would do. And then he said he stood by his original statement. And then he changed his mind. Brockler agreed to come on this week's podcast to talk about it with Corey. Here's their phone call. On the day that the legislature passed this law, I called all of the folks who had announced for governor on the Republican side and wanted to know what they would do about it. At the time, you told me you would sign the law, but grudgingly. And since then, have... uh, well, reverse yourself. So let's talk about that. What happened? I don't know that anything really happened. I mean, you'll remember from our conversation, it was always a painful situation to find yourself in. And that, you know, the question you posed was one of almost hypothetical uh, significance, which was, look, if I grabbed you as George, you were governor right now and dropped you in behind the desk and this thing comes across your desk, what do you do? I think you remember that, you know, for me to be in that position, it was a struggle. And I said, look, I don't think we'd ever get there had I been the governor. I would have never let this bill get this far um, with what I believe to be an unconstitutional premise, and that is the enterprising that hospital providers see, especially without the uh, rebasing for the entire amount. I mean, those two things are separate, but they combine to make it such a difficult bill to support. But on the phone with you at that time, uh, based on that, question, I thought, you know what, though, we've got to do something for these rural hospitals, and I did not want to see them shut down, and uh, I thought that this was likely the only recourse that the governor would have in that position, and so I said exactly as you described, look, grudgingly, I would sign this thing and make it law, 
Um, and as you know, I really hadn't, we, you and I haven't really talked about this for well, the last couple of weeks or so. But in the process of that, some other things had come up. There had been some social media stuff, as you pointed out. There's been a back and forth with Casey Becker, the majority leader for the House. And uh, I am convinced that this was unconstitutional. And in the process of going back and forth with her about that, I thought to myself, how do I justify violating the Constitution even for something that I think is a worthy or noble cause? Okay, so now we're, you're right. So yeah. let's say May 10th was the day the legislature voted. That's when we first talked. May 13th, yep. you were tweeting back and forth with one of the lawmakers yep. about it. You tweeted one of John Caldera from the Independence Institute's pieces calling the deal a grand betrayal. Right, so then I called yep. you and said, hey, uh, is this different? We talked about that for a minute. Um, then I got a text message from you. Yep, that night, like the middle of the night. In the morning. It was 2.39 a.m., and you said that you were I, thinking about this, and it was keeping you up. Talk a little bit about yeah. your thinking there. Uh, what what ha, what was going on between May 10th and then that you were struggling with on this issue? You, you know, the idea that it, I believe that it's unconstitutional, and then I thought to myself at the time when you and I talked back on, what was it, the 10th or the sure. 10th? I thought, listen, I, I, won't, I don't like this bill. I think it's unconstitutional, but I want to do something to save the rural hospitals. And then just the aftertaste that left in my mouth, especially as the back and forth went on with uh, Casey Becker, and there's the fact that there's the Office of Legislative Council or Legislative Affairs that came at Legal Affairs and said, hey, we think it's unconstitutional too. And I started to ask myself, look, how do I justify as the executive of the state who has sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution, how do I then bend on that principle, even for a good cause? And it wasn't anything I would ever reach out to you and say, hey, I want you to know I've made this, this change, because I thought, well, I said what I said, and you know, if someone asked me about it, I'll, I'll give the same explanation. But then when you did call, and I talked about it, and it really drove it home, like, hey, dang it, this, this is something I, I, I'm sweating because of the unconstitutional nature of it. And sure enough, man, in the middle of the night, or morning, however you describe it, I just thought, I want to tell Corey, this is where this is where my head is on this thing. And so I showed you that text. My position is, this was completely unavoidable. It would have never happened if I had been governor. I think there's money in the budget, even at the time that they struck this deal. Uh, and I've asked around, by the way, uh, for some other information that wasn't available to me at the time, like, look, were there other places we could have gone to get the money before we got here to 267 passing both houses? And the answer that I got was yes. You know, people said, I think the money was in the budget. I thought, ah, then I would veto this or not sign it. And, um, and we would find the money somewhere else in the budget. And that budget didn't get signed, I think, until maybe today or tomorrow, something like that. Sure. Hey, uh, you know this is going to come up. Uh, how are you going to react to being called a flip-flopper? Uh, how are you going to react if somebody comes up with a, a special catchphrase like they did for both ways Bob Beaupre? Uh, if that's probably, yeah, already, that's probably already happened, right? Have you heard this? Don't know. Don't know. And, and frankly, that, I, I don't think that's the issue. It's not like I had been for it enthusiastically and then on the back end said, no, I've changed my mind entirely. I mean, I feel like the difference between where I was when I sort of grudgingly said, 
I would sign this thing, even though I found, found it to be unconstitutional, versus having had more time to reflect on it than that day when you called and think to myself, man, I just can't do it as a matter of principle. I, I don't think that's the flip-flop that that term was designed for. I mean, I think that's for something else. And I'm not trying to have it both ways. I think if anybody goes back and reads the quotes that I gave to you and uh, even listens to the comments here, um, I've changed my position on whether or not I would be willing to bend principle to sign a law that I think is unconstitutional. That's true. And I think I have taken the principle position. Yeah, and when we talk about a law being unconstitutional, let's kind of get into the weeds on that. We're talking about TABOR, the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights. Uh, you, yep. It sounds to me like you believe that this deal, because it, it takes the money that's generated from the hospital provider fee program out from underneath the TABOR revenue caps, that that is a violation of the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights. Do you want to give a legal argument for that? Well, without rebasing the budget, yes. That's right. Without rebasing the budget. I mean, look, everywhere else in the country where there's a hospital provider fee, it's not called a fee. It's called the hospital provider tax. But we have to have this sort of um, funny nomenclature game that we play because of the FDA. And so there are uh, other, I suppose, enterprise opportunities out there. And I don't want to see this become the, the beginning of, and then we another call or something. But, um, I don't want to see this become the beginning of, hey, let's enterprise everything to get out from under Tabor. The only way to be the only way to be true to the spirit of Tabor is if this thing were to be enterprise and the entire amount that was enterprise was then rebased out of the budget so that the state budget doesn't have room to grow. So you're running in a Republican primary. You feel Republicans yep. in Colorado have changed their ideas about Tabor uh, since 1992? In what way? What does that mean? Change their views about what? Whether well, they scrap it all together, have... whether they want to see it changed? Well, well, here, you know, as we know that the hospital provider fee issue had been blocked by Republicans in the legislature for years. And this time it wasn't. And it seemed to be that Republicans, especially rural Republicans, were willing to say, well, I'll, I'll kind of take the hit and maybe even get primaried from the right in my next election but because of what's happening to rural hospitals and because they might close, I'm willing to, you know, take that hit to forge this compromise and, and, and you know, pass this bill. And I wonder, you know, I had heard that there was some polling out there and that Republicans in Colorado supported this compromise because of that. But then after it happens, you kind of see this push from the other side, the people who really defend Tabor, saying this wasn't a compromise at all. It was a betrayal. Where do you see Republicans in the primary that you're running for? Uh, where do you see the majority of Republicans on an issue like this, specifically when it comes to Tabor? I think that Republicans are wedded to the law as it is written and as it is intended, and that if they want to see it change, they'll change it. But this is not either of those things. This is an attempt to do an end run around something that is in our Colorado Constitution by means of generation. And I think what happened here is he found some uh, Jerry Sonnenberg, who I think is an honorable guy. I think you find Jerry Sonnenberg caught in a place where there has been 10 years of lack of leadership 
on not just transportation, but on the hospital provider fee, and it's been used as a, a political football uh, to, in order to coerce people to agree to growth of government, which is exactly what they've done here through 267, is to grow government uh, without having to go back to the voters. Now, if Republicans' minds have changed on this, if they think the voters' minds have changed, there's a very easy way to address that, and that is to refer a measure to the ballot for the voters to vote on. They won't do it. Not even the Dems will do it. There's a reason why, and it's because they know it would lose. All right. Listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk this through. Uh, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at uh, how you know, all, this, all this went down, and, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that you're uh, willing to, to talk this through with us, and, and I hope uh, our listeners are too, and our readers at the Colorado Independent. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Corey. Take care. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to check out coloradoindependent.com to read more about this and other stories. We'll see you next week.